Welcome to episode 334 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Wine, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine if it's that time and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast to get your free electrolytes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons 
reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 334 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Vanessa Spina. Hello, everyone. How are you today, Vanessa? I am doing fabulously. How are you? I'm wonderful. I do have a resource I would love to share with listeners. Like, I'm very excited about. I'm excited to hear. I had a really cool regenerative therapy treatment done that I was very excited about here in Atlanta. And it's something I've been looking forward to for a long time, like in general, looking about getting it done. And so I'm really excited to see how it goes. But in any case, the practice where I got it done they are so cool. And I get questions all the time for recommendations for doctors. So I haven't done anything beyond this one treatment that I did, but they do all the things. They're functional medical practice. They do virtual as well. So anybody in any state can see them. And I am just blown away. So I've become really good friends with one of the co-founders and I'm just blown away by what they offer and their prices are so affordable. Like I'm, sh- I'm really shocked. And and it's because like the founder says that, you know, their goal is to really just make this accessible to people. So for example, like their women's functional medical panel that you can get, because I think when you come in, they basically, they do a, um, a comprehensive lab panel, a one hour medical visit, and you get a personalized treatment plan it's just so affordable. And they're actually offering our listeners $100 off as well, which makes it even more affordable. But for example, like with the comprehensive panel for women, it's CBC, CMP, estradiol, fasting insulin, love that, FSH and LH, homocysteine, RBC magnesium, progesterone, reverse T3, free T3, total T3, free T4, total T4, total and free testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, thyroid antibodies, TSH, and vitamin D, which I just love that panel. And the fact that you can get that and have a comprehensive overview with them and get a plan. And then the follow-up visits are so affordable. I'm just like so excited that they are offering this. So that would be like online. Anybody could do that. So if you're trying to like make sense of your labs or just get a you know marker of where you are with your health, I definitely recommend reaching out to them. They're, they're called Elite Personalized Medicine, and I'll, I'll give more information. But then if you live in Atlanta, you have a lot of services. So like I said, they have very cool 
regenerative medical therapies. I'm not going to say much more beyond that, but you can ask them about that if you want more information. They have IV therapy, vitamin injections, health coaching. They have NAD shots, which are, I friends, I have been, well, I've been doing NAD shots now for months and months, and I'm getting them done somewhere else. Their prices on NAD are much more affordable, so I might start going to them instead. But their focus in their own words, is prevention of disease, early diagnosis, anti-aging, and maintaining and achieving optimal health. So the link for them is Elite Personalized Medicine, epmlife.com. So EPM for Elite Personalized Medicine, life.com. And you can reach out to them, tell them I sent you that you heard about them from this podcast, and you'll get $100 off which again, it's shockingly affordable because I, I see a lot of pricings on labs and they can be expensive. Just a resource for listeners. I think that's one good thing that did come out of COVID is the shift to more telemedicine. Like people were doing it a little bit before, but then COVID just made everybody get their act together and really switch to telemed. Although I think it did have a whole issue with, I don't know if we talked about this already on the show, Yeah, I think we did, like pain medication, prescriptions and things. A lot has come up with that. But beyond that, it's been a really great, great resource for people. It definitely, I I feel like, accelerated us into the future in terms of like people taking their bricks and mortar business, putting it online in places that they like wouldn't necessarily have needed to do that. But then, you know, suddenly the necessity was there you know, changing aspects of their business, remote workers, telehealth, like it it kind of, it almost like fast forwarded <laughs> all of us into the future, I think a little bit and almost by like, I don't know what, five years or something, or maybe more in, in just a couple of years. It's, it's really crazy how, how much it did. And like, we always had, you know, these technologies, but it like gave us that push to, to have to, you know, kind of make the transition. It's really interesting. It really, really did. And then parallel to that, everything with AI is just crazy. Do you follow all of that? I'm so fascinated. I'm really fascinated. I want to learn as much as I can, as opposed to other things that have been announced that I'm just like meta, like the, what is it? The metaverse. I'm just like, couldn't be less interested. (laughs) Or like all the Twitter wars, all the Twitter stuff. It's not even it's not even called Twitter anymore, right? No, it's called X. And my husband is like he's he's all about Twitter. So I get a lot of updates on it. And I've been an Elon Musk fan for years. Like I I was a fan way before like people really talked about him at all. Like I was following his career from a young age, reading all that I could about him. I just thought he was such a fascinating human. I thought he was like the te- like the modern day. Was he your crush? A little bit. <laughs> I can see how it, he's like. <laughs> yeah, Pete's like, I think it, it made him at first like, is he, is he your hall pass? <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, if I had to have one. My hall pass used to be Paul Rudd, but I think I have to officially change it to, to Elon. I mean, yeah, I've been a huge fan of his for years. I just think what he did to get us off like Russian rockets is just so amazing. So many of the things that he does is amazing. I just think he's like a modern day, like Thomas Newton or like Einstein and to live in a time where we can see someone like that operating in the world. But I also, yeah, I, I I find that and what he's doing interesting and he's kind of been warning people for a long time about AI, but at some point he was like, all right, nobody's listening to me. (laughs) So I think he's trying to sort of get ahead of it in a sense of like, well, it's inevitable. So I may as well like kind of create one or I think it's really interesting. And it's, it's also, it seems like we're in the start of a new like revolution. Like we had the, you know, printing press revolution and the you know, computer revolution, information revolution, internet revolution. And it seems like we're in maybe now the start of the AI revolution. I don't know if I'm ready for it, but (laughs) it's like, you got to kind of like 
you know, get on it, I guess, and learn as much as possible about it. And I think try to see the good in it. Do you play with chat GTP? I don't. I've, I've heard about it enough from like you and, and like my family and other friends. And I'm sure at some point I will, but I just keep hearing, I think when you and I even talked about on one episode that it's like, it's not super accurate yet. So I'm just like waiting for a version that's really reliable. (laughs) But if something comes up where I have to, I think that people that do work for me, some different kinds of work for me, they might be using it already. Like, So I, I haven't directly used it myself, but maybe when there's a, a version that people are like happier with, I will. It doesn't have the most recent stuff. And then I just am so concerned because it'll, it just gives me wrong answers on things. But my favorite thing to do is to have it write poems about me and my crushes. Oh my God, that's the cutest. It'll write the cutest, as long as your crush is somebody well-known. Should I have some, it write some like fan, some like fiction about poem about Elon and I or what? I'm going to have it write, oh yeah, wait, I'm going to have it write, okay, well, I'm going to write, I'm going to do this right now. Okay, I'm going to say, write a poem, no, no, okay, write a, a poem about Vanessa Spina. Don't listen to this episode, Pete. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And Elon Musk, should we tell it we want it to be romantic or do you think it'll go that route? Let's just see what it does. I don't know. Maybe we'll just be like besties. I'd just love to hang out with him. And Here we go. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to read this to you. Three paragraphs. The title of this poem. <laughs> the title of this poem is. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. This is not where I thought this Podcast is gonna go, but I love it. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. The title of this poem is Tech Duos Inspiring Vision. Wow. I know. <laughs> Can't even read it. I'm so happy right now. Okay. <laughs> okay, bringing it back. Just the title made my days. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay. In realms of tech and space they tread. Vanessa Spina, Elon, Elon Musk ahead. She was knowledge, Keto's queen. He, <laughs> he a visionary dreamer, keen. Vanessa's wisdom on health she shares, Keto insights showing how she cares. Elon's mind soars beyond the sky, Mars-bound visions aiming high. Their paths converge in realms unknown, health and cosmos, seeds they've sown. Two souls with passions unconfined, inspiring hearts and sparking minds. Are you kidding me that is unreal wasn't that amazing i have like speechless i'm actually speechless i know i think i need a copy oh no i'll send it to you right now don't worry i'm copying it for you you know what's funny is he did elon used to do keto he's dabbled with it over the years which doesn't really surprise me because he yeah when i read his first biography we were what was it like maybe seven or eight years ago the interviewer starts out the book he's at a restaurant with him and he's like eating this weird meal and he's like it's called the ketogenic diet and I was like I got goosebumps like all over my body I was like are you kidding me like what the of course he does keto but I know he's gone like on and off it that that was insane like maybe I need to start. <laughs> I know you can have it write stories about you, like fan fiction. I know you looked up the top six biohackers in the world, and it said Melanie Avalon, which was amazing. I know that you use it for your brother's wedding speech. I know you use it for like product descriptions or like looking up studies. So like I was using it to like I would have it like write like science pages on things and then I would go fact check it and that's where I got really worried because it would it would be like in this study it found this and then I would try to go find the study I couldn't find it and then I'd be like can you please send me that study and it'd be like oh I'm sorry I was actually wrong I remember you told me so I was like how can you trust it you can't but you can trust it with its poems I'm keeping this forever isn't that amazing I didn't know I could write poetry oh yeah I know it's it's talented I tell you, and when you've got a crush, you just put in that crush and it just writes the things and you're like, (laughs) I'm sure you've gotten some, I want you to read the other ones, but I won't. 
ask you to do that on air, but who's your, like, if you had a hall pass, who would it be? Well, Johnny Depp was always my, yeah. So did you watch like the whole court case and everything? Were you mesmerized? (laughs) I lost like weeks of time. (laughs) It's like, this is awful. Literally, I would like just play it, you know, like live because they were streaming live. Wow. that I mean, that was one sordid tale. I want to have him on the show for an episode on the Mandela effect. I want to put that out to the universe. No, the number of tangents that you would go on with him, like his mind, he says that his brain feels like he's having like explosions, continuous explosions in his brain constantly. Like his brain is so active and like powerful when i was a server at bruce chris steakhouse in beverly hills my favorite steakhouse oh really mm-hmm. that was my first serve like i had one serving job before that but that was my first like actual serving job oh my god maybe you can answer my questions about what they're doing with the steaks oh oh, oh of course i can because i've asked them because <laughs> like no steak i'm like they're dipping it in butter like There's definitely a layer of butter on top. I know that. But every time I ask them, they're like, there's this rotating, like, fire (laughs) grill that goes to, like, a thousand degrees or something. It's coming back to me. It's like the steaks and the hot plates with salt, pepper, butter, and parsley. And they, yeah, they, they take it from the super, super hot thing and put it onto the plate. And it's a little bit stressful. As a server. I remember just like so many times, every time we go there, I'm like, so tell me again about this oven. And they're like, it's like this vertical oven with like these panels and it's like a thousand degrees. And then I'm like, yeah, I just, I just can't replicate it. I've tried to replicate it at home, but it just tastes so good there. Man, if you had known me back in the day, I could have brought you back in the kitchen. You could have had a kitchen tour. Elon Musk was there one day. What? When you were working there? It was Elon Musk. It was at one table and it was like 20 people and it was Elon Musk and a lot of other celebrities. It's crazy because when I I first started like following him, like he was he was just this like Silicon Valley like entrepreneur and he's become like like an A-list like celebrity. It's crazy. Yeah, this was a this was a while ago. So it was before he was super famous but he was famous enough like you know because we were I I wasn't the server on the table but yeah apparently they tipped the servers like a thousand bucks amazing yeah so of course he's generous as well of course (laughs) so big fan here oh it's so funny did you say your hall pass was oh Johnny Depp oh yeah probably Johnny Johnny Depp yes He's still number one. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because I really had to think about that. I mean, because I have my like number one in my mind right now, but it's not like that's like my crush. But my my like hall pass, my perpetual hall pass, is probably Johnny Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Depp. Yeah, I thought you would have named like like a scientist or like a I don't know. Oh, Peter Tia. Oh, wait, oh, wait, he has a wife. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, but hall passes are like fantasy, so. I do have a crush on Peter Atia. I'm just putting that out there. And Harry Styles. Not Harry Styles. I know he dressed up like Harry Styles. Oh, that's what it... Okay, it wasn't Harry Styles. It was just dressing like him. He dressed up like him for the Taylor Swift concert. <sighs> I can't. I can't. I got to find my, my my perfect man who like is like all of that and also wants to go to the Taylor Swift concert. If we're living in a simulation, you just have to dream him up and, you know, he'll he'll manifest. He'll manifest. Yeah, just keep writing those poems. <laughs> Put them under your pillow. Oh, man. <sighs> For a while, I, it was Jack Dorsey because I listened to an episode of him on something and he literally follows my lifestyle. Well, a little bit. He literally, he told his lifestyle and it was, let me just tell you, he was like, I wake up. I'm fasting. Then he's like fasting some more. And then he doesn't, he goes and does like cold therapy. And then he does all of his work. And then at night he said he eats like a steak, wine, and blueberries. I was like, this is my man. Apparently he, he wrote a comment to Mark Zuckerberg that was pretty passive aggressive or maybe just aggressive. (laughs) 
passive aggressive. I think Mark Zuckerberg, he said he tweeted something and Jack Dorsey wrote back like too soon, Mark, or something. Because <laughs> he was like kind of upset, I guess, that he started the threads. Are you using threads? I saw that the other day. No, I'm not. Are you? So I was like somewhat intrigued initially because I'm on Twitter. But I don't really like Twitter. <laughs> I like it more since Elon took the helm, but I don't really like it. Like I feel like it's very aggressive. I was actually bullied on there once by like these two guys. Really? Yeah, it was really upsetting. These two guys were like coming at me about keto or something and they were like teaming up and like tweeting all this stuff. It was very upsetting. Like I never really had an interaction like that before. But anyway, aside from that, it just feels like people are just like, I think Tim Ferriss said this once. It's like you walk into Twitter and it's like people throwing bottles at your head, which like I don't really feel like that, but it just feels very like angry and hostile there. Like, and then people are just like sharing, you know, their opinions putting them out into the universe is just like so much information. Like I just don't, I don't, I just don't vibe with it. (laughs) It's it's not my vibe. I've gone through like phases where I use it. Anyways, I was like, okay, maybe threads, maybe I'll like it more. And because I don't spend much time on Twitter, like I have like 10,000 followers, I think on there or something like that. And with threads, they were like saying that initially you could take your, Instagram following over to threads. So then I was like, oh, well, if I had the same amount of followers on threads, then that would be like, I would have a Twitter with all these followers. It would be worth my time to put stuff on there and devote. The last thing I need is like another app. (laughs) But then it's like, they initially announced that you would be getting your following, but then it didn't quite work out that way. And then I would like open it and it would have me following all these people that I didn't follow. So then they were like, well, we're now working on ways to bring your followers over. So it's like every time I log into it, I have more followers on there, but it's like a fraction of what I have on Instagram. So I just don't see the point. And someone I listened to on a podcast made a really good point about it because there were a lot of people have been talking about how there was this initial spike in interest and then it just kind of died off. And it's because people who use Instagram like the format of Instagram. So what they should have done is incorporated it into Instagram. So when you have your feed, you have like Instagram posts, and then some of them are like the tweet format. And then it would be integrated in that app. You wouldn't have to go to another app. You would just have it in there. And I'm like, that would have made so much more sense than having a different app. Like, I just, I just can't be bothered unless like, you know, there's a huge incentive, like having all of my followers on there, then it would be worth me sharing the information that I share. But as of right now, I'm like, I'm just going to keep doing it on Instagram. That's the main place that I, I post stuff. So this is like where you go on the Instagram profile and it's like, a little hashtag thing, right? Like it's on your main profile, right? I thought that was a direct messenger thing this whole time. I didn't realize it was like Twitter. Yeah. It's like, if you open it up, it looks pretty much like Twitter. It uses your phone number, right? It doesn't use my number, but it basically looks just like Twitter, but it's threads. I have like 7,000 people following me on there, but it's like, Is it the little like at symbol at the top by their name? Yeah. I didn't realize it was like, like Twitter. No. And I think what happened is like some people were upset that Elon took over Twitter. So this was like the alternative of setting up a non Elon controlled Twitter. It's the number right now. It's the number one social networking app. I mean, I think there was a a lot of, Initial interest, but most people that I talk to say that after a week or first week or two, they kind of forgot about it. I haven't really been checking it, except like I'll go in there sometimes to see like, have they migrated all my followers over? And I I think they're not able to really do that. So do you think I should wait then until maybe? No, you could do it anytime. 
And you could see what you end up with. Like you don't think that maybe they'll fix it and then it's like if you start later, you'll get everybody from the get-go? I don't think so because what they're do- the way that they're doing it is every new person that joins, when they set up their profile, they say, would you like to automatically follow everyone that you follow on Instagram? And if they click yes, then you get them as a follower. But if they don't, then you don't. So it's kind of hit or miss, like depending on who amongst your followers are joining threads and then among them are selecting yes to that or going out of their way to follow you. As long as I still have more followers on Twitter, I still have like, which I had no incentive to really use until now. The main thing that I use Twitter for is actually for podcast guests Because sometimes an easier way to just hit up like certain scientists or physicians or people that I want to talk to than an email. Or like I've gone the email route and I didn't get through because they're like, they're just not responding or they're in the lab or whatever. And, but they'll respond to a tweet. So that's like the main reason I use it. But other than that, but it's not great because then I forget to check. That happened to me when I was in Denver and I had this one guest who was like, hey, I can come on today. And then I didn't check it for like two weeks. And I was like, oops, I forgot. And then I checked back and they were like, oh, I'm back at Harvard now. So I can't like (laughs) next year, next year. And that never occurred to me to use it to reach out to people. I think, I think the last time I got on it, I literally spent forever. It was when Gary Tobbs, when I aired my Gary Topps episode and he tweeted about it, I was like, well, I got to get on Twitter now. I got to like tweet something. I got to like retweet the tweet. Otherwise I never really go there. Yeah. I had like a phase where I enjoyed it a bit, but I just, yeah, not, it's, I find Instagram just way happier, (laughs) way, just a a better vibe overall. And I feel like I know I need to be on TikTok, but I just don't want to do another, I just energetically, I did not join TikTok intentionally, and I also think that there's a good chance that it will be banned because it's one of the only political issues that both sides agrees on (laughs) that it should be banned. So, and it makes sense, like, I can see, you know, why they would want it to because it's a Chinese-controlled app that's, like, operating in, in the U.S. and, like, China would never allow, you know, an American-owned app to be operating in, within their population. So, and both conservatives and Democrats agree <laughs> that it, it's probably a security risk. And I'm surprised it actually hasn't been banned yet. Maybe it won't. I know a lot of people love it. But yeah, I never really got into it. And I, I the longer time has passed, the more I'm like, what's the point if it gets gets banned and you spend all that time building up something there and you know it just gets banned so (laughs) we'll see what happens maybe it won't maybe it will hi friends one of my favorite foods for gut health skin cravings energy and immunity is definitely bone broth I and so many of my listeners love bone broth, but it can also be intimidating because it can be hard to find a bone broth that is all natural, organic, free of preservatives, and especially no salt added. Of course, you can always make your own, which I love, but that can be a little bit of a cumbersome process. That's why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty and the Broth. They make it so, so easy to bring bone broth into your life because they ship it in concentrated form in shelf-stable packets. It's easy to store, doesn't take up space. You don't have to worry about keeping it frozen. And then when you reconstitute it with water, you can customize it exactly to your tastes. It is incredible. Beauty in the Broth makes delicious bone broth from vegetarian-fed, free-range chicken bones and USDA organic, grass-fed, ranch-raised beef. The meat and bones come from certified humane and USDA organic farms, no antibiotics, no hormones. They also use organic vegetables and powerful herbs that are so delicious, all without any added salt or sodium. A lot of the broths on the market are also kettle or pressure cooked, which breaks down ingredient nutrients and reduces their integrity and potency. Beauty in the Broth doesn't do that. They let all of those amazing ingredients slowly simmer for up to 24 hours to create a broth that is super high in naturally occurring collagen and nutrients. Your gut will thank you, I promise. 
We often get questions about the best way to open your eating window. This is an incredible way to do that. Especially when you're in the fasted state, your gut is super ready to absorb these nutrients and bone broth contains the specific nutrients needed to heal your gut, help with leaky gut, support digestion, and so much more. And when it's cold in the winter months, what tastes better than a warm cup of bone broth? You will notice it in your nails, in your gut health, in your hair, in your improved recovery, increased energy. And did I mention it's so convenient and so easy to use. They've also got a vegan mushroom broth, which is super rich in umami and delicious for all of you vegans out there. And you can get 15% off site-wide. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash broth and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 15% off site-wide. That's melanieavalon.com slash broth with the coupon code melanieavalon for 15% off site-wide. Friends, if you've been wanting to get on the bone broth train, this is the way to do it. Definitely check it out and we'll put all this information in the show notes. I was thinking of having somebody, paying somebody to just repurpose my Instagram content and just like get it going. I just don't, I know if I do, then I'll go in and I'll want to check. And like, I just don't want another, another thing. I mean, I just got telegram yesterday because I wanted to get added to some Austin groups since I'm moving to Austin. Are you officially? I think so. When? My lease is up in the spring. So I think I'm probably going to take a trip, hopefully knock on wood in the fall and look at apartments and teaser for the audience. I'm hoping I might get to interview Dave Asprey in person in Austin when I go to look at apartments. So that would be super exciting for this show. So send me, send me actually, God, I'm saying this, send me questions. If you have questions for him, because we're going to do a listener Q and a possibly in real life. I have never done, would you believe I've never done an in-person podcast? Have you done an in-person podcast? I was just thinking if I ever have, (laughs) I don't think I have. I'm not going to know what to do. Like, where do I look? What do I do? It's funny because I noticed that most people who do in-person podcasts have props. You know, they have all the podcasts like paraphernalia. So maybe if you have stuff like that, then it'll, you'll have like props. He said there's some good studios and we can rent a studio. Yeah, that would be so fun. You have to do that. It's a lot to deal with. So send questions, listeners, to questions at ifpodcast.com. For Dave Asprey, anything about fasting or his new danger coffee or the conference or biohacking, all the things. That'll be an exciting one. I know. On that note, shall we answer some listener questions? I would love to. I am so excited about this first question. We have a question from Lori that comes to us on Facebook. I have been having issues with bloating. I don't have any GI issues or other symptoms, and I have been trying to cut out dairy thinking all the cottage cheese I was eating for more protein was the problem. Can a high-protein diet give you a distended belly? It seems to have been a frequent problem, distended abdomen slash bloating since hitting my protein macros of 100 to 125 grams. All right, Lori, I am so excited about this question. I went down the rabbit hole. So it's interesting because I do remember hearing every now and then, I think Rob Wolf every now and then will mention how protein can be fermented and actually how it can be fermented to create short chain fatty acids, which we want to get from fiber, which sounds like a great benefit. Like, oh, we can get it from protein. However, that sounds like when in the fermentation role of protein, that's probably the only good thing coming from that because there's been quite a few studies on protein fermentation in the gut. And yes, so it can, I have a lot to say. So before you jump to conclusions, being worried about protein fermenting, it's going to be okay. But the potentially toxic metabolites, so they include ammonia, amines, phenols, and sulfides. And they've been linked to a lot of potentially problematic issues like bowel diseases, colorectal cancer, ulcerative colitis, as well as just bloating like Lori was talking about and GI distress. And so what is going on there in addition to those those metabolites? And this is ironic because now I'm looking at another study and it's talking about how excess protein can lead to decreased short-chain fatty acid production. So Maybe sometimes it creates short-chain fatty acids. Maybe sometimes it leads to less. But in general, it can potentially have a pro-inflammatory, microbiotic, pro 
profile. So, okay, because we have the, the GI tract, you know, we have the, the stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine. The issue arises when protein reaches the large intestine and isn't getting fully absorbed the way it should be. So it's estimated that in the normal population, around 6 to 18 grams of protein reaches the large intestine daily. That's mostly from what you're eating. A small part of it is actually endogenously created, so created yourself. And that ranges, so people on like almost protein-free diets, they'll still get around three grams that might reach the large intestine. If you're on a vegan diet, the average is around 16 grams that will reach the large intestine. If you're on a moderately high protein intake, which they call 16% of total energy, which for me, that would be very low protein. That's around 17 grams that might reach down there. And basically what happens for the processing of protein in the large intestine, there's two ways that it's metabolized. So the first thing is that it undergoes proteolysis by two different things, by the gut microbiome primarily, and then a little bit by pancreatic proteases. So compounds created by the pancreas that break down protein, those are actually metabolizing and breaking down some protein in the large intestine as well. So it's breaking down these proteins into smaller amino acids. And then interestingly, those amino acids can be incorporated by the body structurally, or they can actually be used and incorporated by the gut microbiome. And then the second thing that can happen to protein metabolism down there, and this is where the issues come in, is it can be fermented to produce gases. So you can produce H2, CH4, CO2, H2S, See, and now it's saying short-chain fatty acids, so that's interesting. It can create branch-chain fatty acids, and then like I mentioned before, ammonia, amines, and phenolic compounds, and also compounds related to nitrous to nitrous oxide. Okay, so the potential harmful effect or the issues that you experience is probably directly related to how much. So if if there's not an excess, you don't have to worry about this. But if there is an excess that's happening, then you do have to possibly worry about these metabolites being created. And so there's been quite a few studies on how it affects the gut bacteria, and it might have a potentially negative effect on the gut bacteria down there. So one study found that it looked at high versus normal protein diets for six weeks. And while it didn't affect a lot of the abundance of big populations, it did lower bifidobacteria, which is often thought of as a, quote, good bacteria. Although interestingly, in these studies, the amount of carbs alongside the protein was sometimes different. So they said it's hard to know, like, what's doing what. Like, is it the carbs? Is it the lack of carbs? Is it the protein? Like, what is the main source here? But there was another study in people on low-carb, high-protein diets and they, they saw a significant decrease in the numbers of different populations of butyrate-producing bacteria. And as we know, well, I'm saying that like it's common knowledge, butyrate-producing bacteria is something that we want because butyrate is a very beneficial fatty acid for the colon. And the reason this happens is that the large intestine, the bacteria there, they actually are obligate protein fermenters. So they're nutrient source is basically fermenting protein. So that's why this can happen. So have no fear though. There are ways to address this. So there's been a few studies on adding in specific sources of carbs that can actually potentially help mitigate this effect. So a high intake of resistant starch, something called arabinooxalanins. I'm not actually sure what that is. And inulin. Pairing that with protein had a beneficial effect on the ammonia and the nitrogen levels. But then another study, interestingly enough, when they added resistant starch, they didn't see a change. It seems to be because like with the resistant starch specifically, a few studies showed a beneficial effect, like it really helped. Some didn't find a change. Same with insoluble fiber. Some studies found that it helped, some didn't. And it just reading through it all, what it seemed like is that it's very individual and there's a lot of factors going into play. Some of these carbs that you might add, like these, so these non-starch polysaccharide, so like a, a fibrous type carb, what really matters is if it's actually 
making its way down to large intestine. So some of the carbs, if they're absorbed and metabolized too far up, they might not actually reach the large intestine. So they might not be able to create this beneficial effect of mitigating the protein issues. So it really matters when you're taking in the cyber, is it going in all the way and is it reaching large intestine and is it helping with that inflammatory profile? On the flip side, some studies have found that it makes it worse. So they did a rat study and they added pectin, which is a type of fiber, and they found that actually made more fermentation of protein. Basically, it's all over the place. Oh, oh, this is really interesting. So, so one of the mechanisms of action, like why this might be working with the carbs when it does work, is that the carbs can encourage the bacteria to ferment the carbs, and the bacteria proliferate. So it increases more bacteria in your large intestine. And then those bacteria actually need amino acids and nitrogen. So then they synthesize the extra protein rather than fermenting it, which I know sounds pretty similar. But basically, there's the potential for, by supporting the gut bacteria with carbs and fiber, for them to better deal with the protein load. And this is something actually called the nitrogen sink. So the conclusion of like this one review that I was looking at everything, they did conclude that modifying, like the best ways to deal with GI distress from excess protein is probably to modify the actual amount of protein, which I know is the antithesis of what we talk about a lot, because basically they're saying reduce your protein intake. Secondly, the type of amino acids. So it's primarily the, the sulfurous amino acids like methionine and cysteine that create this issue. And those are found higher in animal products. So they're recommending, you know, more plant-based protein might help with this. Although interestingly, I think it's very N of one because I digest animal protein so well. And when I have plant-based proteins, I, it does not go so well for me. So I think you really have to know how you react. And then the third option is to, they do suggest, even after they talked about studies showing conflicting findings, they do suggest adding fermentable carbohydrates to help shift that bacteria activity from fermenting the protein to metabolizing the protein and using the protein. Casein, and this is interesting, so casein in particular might be a problematic protein for bloating related to all of this. And I know Lori was saying that she was having dairy and experiencing this issue, so that might be something that's going on. Lori, you might want to try, you're already trying to cut out the dairy, so maybe this will be the final push to maybe stick to non-dairy and see if that helps. So my suggestions, again, this journal article is suggesting to cut down on protein, but I, I wouldn't really suggest that. I would suggest a few things. Maintaining your total protein, but maybe either having a longer window or having it not all in one large bolus and then really supporting digestion of that protein so that hopefully you can digest more of it higher up in the system and it won't be reaching the large intestine. So I would definitely try out maybe HCL and digestive enzymes to help with that. And by the way, teaser, I do plan down the road to launch a line of HCL and digestive enzymes. And I'm so excited. But in the meantime, I personally use right now pure encapsulations, their digestive enzymes and their HCL. So that's something you might want to try. And then you could try adding in carbs that work for you, fibrous carbs. Again, resistant starch might be a thing that works. Although for me, resistant starch makes me so bloated and gassy. So it really is individual and in of one. You could just try different like vegetables or different carbs with the protein and see if that helps mitigate the issues. And then just as one like last tangent, I mentioned earlier nitric oxide. I hope I didn't call it nitrous oxide earlier, which I might have. I love nitrous oxide, but that is something different. So something that might be going on is that nitric oxide is created from bacteria, from dietary nitrites, and that can produce a gas that can be problematic. And when we have excess protein down there, what can happen, interestingly, is that nitric oxide can have a signaling effect where it interacts with protein, that protein fermentation and actually makes it worse. So that's really interesting. But they have found that changing from red meat to white meat, like chicken or fish, 
can potentially reduce the availability of those nitrites in the colon, which are the precursors with the bacteria for that nitric oxide fermentation or formation. So that's something else you could try is if you're having red meat. And I'm a huge fan of red meat, and it's so nutritious and nutrient-rich, but it is something that you could play with is maybe trying more white meats and fish. Yeah, so that was a lot of information. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see different Differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher, and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I I've never discounted the tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address, and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt in, and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so so excited for you all to try it. So be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right, now back to our show. Vanessa, do you have thoughts? That was so incredibly thorough and amazing. I love that you dived so deep on the research as you, as you always do and found it really, really interesting and insightful. So it sounds like the takeaway is what I was going to reply, I guess, is that if you are feeling bloated, I would just try to eat less protein and see what amounts, like using a tracker. You know, we often do this to find, you know, the carb threshold, the protein threshold for getting into ketosis. So, you know, if you're doing 
like 120 grams a day, try 110, try 100, try 80. But the other thing I would say is, are you eating it all at one sitting? Because that could be the issue as well. Because, you know, there's only so much protein that your body will use to make new proteins. And then the rest will be converted to glucose. Like the ratio is about like 60 grams out of every 100, I believe, is converted to glucose, according to Dr. Don Lehman. So, you know, if you're eating 100 grams at one sitting, it could just be a lot, you know, in terms of the digestive acids, you know, and the digestive, the sort of the pH that's needed for that much protein at one sitting. Like if you were to break it up a little bit into two or three meals, it probably would result in a lot less bloating. And I I think that it can happen where if people are doing one meal a day at times and then they're sitting and having one whole meal with that much protein at one sitting, I wouldn't be surprised if someone would be bloated if they haven't sort of you know, built up to that amount over time. I love that you brought up the digestive enzymes. HCL can definitely help with that as well. But my biggest suggestion would be just to change the amount unless it is what you are eating with the protein. Like, could it be something else you are consuming with the protein that is contributing to the bloating? I I would be far more likely to think that it would be like, fibrous foods that's causing that. So, you know, I always recommend an elimination diet. If you're having a lot of bloating, I did one and I did carnivore for 30 days. And then I went back and introduced, reintroduced all of the vegetables that I liked. And I discovered which ones really bloated me. And it was such amazing information because once I figured that out by reintroducing each one, one at a time, I figured out that all the cruciferous vegetables and like, especially broccoli, cabbage and cauliflower can really bloat me. And so once I cut those out, I just didn't have bloating issues anymore. So it can be as simple as that. Like there could just be one certain, especially fibrous food, they can be pretty you know, difficult to digest and a lot of fermentation can occur. So I would just put a question there. Is it necessarily the protein or is it something else that you're eating with the protein? Unless you're doing carnivore and all you're eating is like protein, you're not having anything else, you know, any carbohydrate or any fiber with it, then, you know, it could just be the protein amount. So I guess you kind of have to play with it, but I'd love to hear back from you on like what you figured out and, and what you tried and, you know, it sounds like from all the research that Melanie went through, you know, that it, it's, it really just comes down to the, the amount that's being consumed. Yeah. Yeah. It really comes down to the amount that's reaching the large intestine, which we would think typically correlates to being what's being consumed. But then, like I was saying, and Vanessa was just saying, there's so much contextual, you know, other food around that, that I just think it's important to look at, you know, everything that you're eating. I'll put out a resource for listeners. It's funny. People always ask me all the time, why do I eat so many cucumbers? And it's primarily for this reason. Like that's the really fibrous, hydrating, watery bulk vegetable that I can add with my meal that I digest so well. And that's, that's just why I eat so much of it. And I find that actually helps me digest the protein more. Love my cucumbers, but a a resource for listeners you can get my app Food Sense Guide and get it now, friends, because you want to get grandfathered in because I'm probably going to be making some really big updates and changes to it and changing the like the system. So get grandfathered in now, like the way it is now. Um, it's a um, comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods, and it has 11 potentially problematic compounds that you may be reacting to. By looking at that, you can kind of see what you're eating and If you're having issues with foods, you can look for trends. If you find that certain foods are making you bloated, you could see what compounds are those high in, and it can be really helpful for that. And it does have FODMAPs. And like for me, a low FODMAP diet is a game changer for bloating. I I thought about it because, Vanessa, when you're talking about the the ones that you react to, like those are all pretty high FODMAP foods. Such a good point. 
So the link for that is melanieavalon.com slash guide, And it is often a top app on Apple podcast or in the um, app store, which is very exciting. Wow. That's amazing. It like blows my mind really, honestly, because it's often top 10 for all food and drinks apps. When you think about it, like how many food and drinks apps there are or like there could be? Got to be millions. Isn't that crazy? Blows my mind. I'm really glad it's helping people. So yeah. Wow. We went on all the tangents on today's episode. I know. It was like Elon to Ruskris steak to <laughs> poetry with AI and then protein and bloating. I mean, like, yeah, real variety of topics today, but I had so much fun. I really enjoy all of our episodes so much and I love the questions so much. I love talking about fasting and protein and digestion and, you know, all the research. So I just enjoyed the episode so much. I did too. And I will, I'll give the link again for listeners. If they would like to find a a holistic health practitioner and run labs, I really love elite personalized medicine. So that's epmlife.com. Tell them I sent you or that you heard about them on this podcast and you'll get a hundred dollars off. And yeah. Okay. Anything from you, Vanessa, before we go? I think that was everything. Yeah. I I can't wait for the next episode as always and look forward to next week's questions and being back here with you again. Likewise, I will talk to you next week. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.